Welcome to Mommy Heal Thyself. We feature guests who provide you with the tools, resources, and strategies you need to say no to a life of pain and suffering from all forms of preventable disease, toxic drugs, and unnecessary surgeries. We hope to inspire you to boldly reclaim your ability to heal and to serve the ones you love. Hello, my beautiful sisters. Thank you for joining me once again for another episode of Mommy Heal Thyself. Today, I have a phenomenal, beautiful, beautiful, wise woman with us. Her name is Allison Armstrong. Now, Allison's exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with the decision to find out what brings the best and the worst out in men. Now, as she went on this journey, this naturally led to studying women's behavior and making vital connections between the two. While fulfilling our need to understand why people behave, they do. Now, Allison offers practical partnership-based alternatives in what we instinctively are compelled to do. She continues to give millions of people access to more fulfilling lives loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. So ladies, you know what we have been stressing in a lot of our different episodes is that we have to look at our relationships. There is no way that we can heal ourselves, body, mind, heart, and spirit, without first addressing our relationships. And sometimes that begins with connecting through conflict. A lot of times we want to run away from conflict, but here we have today, beautiful, beautiful Allison, who's going to show us the way, give us some practical tips on what we can do to build those wonderful relationships that will help us in our healing journey. Thank you for being with us today, Allison. You're, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I feel a little challenged since I Recently, I spent 10 hours on the subject of connecting through conflict, So, I'm, but I'll give you some highlights. And the way that you put it, Michelle, it's also vice versa, that, that to, we have to pay attention to our relationships to heal ourselves, but we have to, I would call restore or make whole ourselves, right, in order to not be trying to suck out of other people <laughs> what's an insatiable need within us. And um, about six years ago, it just popped out of my mouth, honor yourself first or all is lost. Hmm. And, oh, this is so hard. It's so hard for men and for women. Um Men will honor the commitments they've made, what they're focused on, what they're dedicated to producing, but sacrifice who they really are. And women, instinctively, we are pulled to multitask. We're pulled to take care of everything that's ugly, dirty, out of place, cranky, low energy, <laughs> not feeling well. Like we're we're just Ooh, it just pulls us right out of ourselves. And so it makes it hard. It, it's it's not personal. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We're just battling with some human instincts. And once we're aware of them, then we can make some important choices. And how come I'm bringing this up is because 
<laughs> because the first conflicts are with ourselves. Hmm. We, we have to work it out with ourselves. And the, the course on our website called Connecting Through Conflict, which I loved doing it. And so I'm so glad I did. It's $95 for the whole darn thing. And, but it distinguishes four different types of conflicts. And what usually happens is they're all tangled up with each other. And so when we're trying to, to talk to ourselves or talk to another person, we don't realize we're actually skipping from one kind of the conflict to another kind of conflict that's hooked in. And that's why it gets worse instead of like an, it's like pulling on a necklace that's tangled instead of getting some oxygen, you know, spreading the parts apart where you can and getting some room. And then, and then you can see where the tangle happens. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you want, Michelle, I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you the four types of yeah. conflicts if you what, want. What are those and four types of, the... of conflicts? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm going to do it in a little different order than I do in the course, but so the, the first type would be what I, what I would call real values. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by real values, it's, it's not what was impressed upon us growing up in our family or in our culture, right. Or what we were taught in school or in church were supposed to be our values, right. But our real values, ones that we've examined and we organize our lives around. And I'll come back to that one in terms of being a mom. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's what I would call verified needs. So mm -hmm. the things that we've actually examined and seen that those needs, when they're met, have a huge benefit. And when they're not met, have a huge cost. Mm -hmm. So let's just take sleep, yeah. right? Sleep has a huge benefit when you have enough sleep, when you have plenty plenty of sleep, maybe more than enough. All we gain all these capacities from enough sleep, mm -hmm. um, and we lose capacities. Right? We can't focus. We can't be patient. We can't be compassionate. We can't be kind. We can't experience joy or happiness. I mean, it, that one it, it's huge. It's just. A, huge what happens to us so so the needs to pay attention to are the ones with the biggest benefits and biggest costs and to zero in on them because we're never going to get everything we need i promise you we'll never get everything mm. but we can get enough of what matters most if we're paying attention um another area of conflict is preferences and preferences are interesting because they are tied into how we know ourselves. They're tied into our identity. So the things that we prefer is one of the ways that we know we're ourselves. And when we stop preferring it, we're like, hmm, I don't like that anymore. I don't want to eat that anymore, right? Or now I want to eat this. How did I end up wanting to eat this? Or, you know, I, but behaviors and even the way our environments, we actually are called to act on our preferences um like no socks on the floor for example <laughs> it ties into our instincts to remove that and we think we actually need there to be no socks on the floor but really the only benefit of no socks on the floor is we're not distracted by socks on the floor and mad at the person who left them there but there's not a huge impact like with sleep for example but we'll dedicate energy to picking up all the socks before we'll go to sleep 
right? Even when we're dead tired. So, so those, so values, needs, preferences, and then the last one I call a mischief maker. But if you, but if an, only if an atomic bomb is a mischief maker, it can be small or it can be huge. And the last one is expectations. We, we have conflicts with expectations of ourselves. We have conflicts with expectations of others. We have conflicts with their expectations of us. And it's compound. So our values, we may also expect that they're honored, that they're known and honored without us having to do anything about it. Expectation holds that. Expectation is anything that should. It should be or it should not be without me doing anything about it. My husband should know how I take my coffee by now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't have the same instincts that we do that have us know how a lot of people take their coffee. <laughs> because not only do we have preferences, we conform to preferences in order to be liked, mm -hmm. in order to survive. And men don't have that. So mm -hmm. they'll do what it takes to be respected in order to survive. And they'll sacrifice themselves for that. So just as a contrast. So, so we have expectations that our values are known and honored, that they're obvious. Of course, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. um, that our needs, we shouldn't have to tell someone that we need something. And we even expect we shouldn't need it. I shouldn't need so much sleep. I shouldn't need so much alone time. I shouldn't need to watch television. Mm -hmm. Should not need to zone out. That's pathetic, right? But we do. The way our brain is configured, if we don't have zone out time, oh, we get so cranky. And men don't understand zone out time. So there's expectations of needs being met without us doing anything about it or that we shouldn't have them in the first place. There's, And then there's even expectations that our preferences are dictated to because we're so compelled to dictate to others, like I mentioned. So, so we, we have conflicting expectations and then we have expectations turning up the heat because there's not only a value which is an expression of who I really am that's not being honored but I'm entitled to it to be be honored so mm -hmm. you're misbehaving which means you have to either be fixed trained or punched <laughs> those are the three opposites fix you train you or punish you train you because your mother failed to do that right so then as moms we want to train our kids to be so great <laughs> it's cuckoo yeah so, so given those four areas of conflict which one do you find is the most common that you see in working with women oh golly they're all common they're they're all common and they're all completely normal and men and women and such a tangle. Um, what I already said about preferences is more prevalent in women. Um, values, uh, men are tend to be much more in touch with their values mm -hmm. and they're in every opinion they have. It includes their values plus what they would call facts. <laughs> information from trusted sources. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say as a, as a mother, right? So I have three children and um, 
as a mother, the biggest conflict is in choosing what we're going to honor as the most important. Hmm. And because we can't honor all the things we think are important, they conflict with each other. And so we, ha- we have to decide. And there's two side, there's two sides of it. Hmm. One is decide as a mom, what is it that if you're that, you'll you'll be in good shape, you'll be proud of yourself, mm-hmm. and you'll be most likely to be the mom that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So when I examined this for myself, the answer was patience. Mm-hmm. And, and I went looking for, okay, so it's a natural thing when someone intends to be patient, okay, be patient. We, we look in our body for the patience. We look and see, and it might be, uh uh-oh, I'm fresh out of patience. Okay, let's pretend to be patient. (laughs) Pretend patience isn't even close, like pretend love and pretend compassion. They're not even close, but we'll do it. We'll pretend it because we have, we think we're going to survive by being perfect and we don't want to be caught being imperfect. But real patience, I started hunting for what puts patience in my body, what pushes the feeling of patience in my body. And I used to, for years, a couple decades, paid attention to what fills that tank, what fills your patience tank, what fills your compassion tank, what fills your love tank, what fills your playfulness tank, what, what puts you full of play, right? Fills your play tank, which means you can have fun doing anything not just fun things. You can have fun doing anything. When your play tank's empty, you can't even have fun doing things that are supposed to be fun, right? So um, so, so you look for what puts the feeling in your body. And I could quickly see that when I had a good night's sleep, I woke up with the feeling of patience mm-hmm. full in my body if I had enough sleep. And that that patience would run out by about... 8.30 at night. <laughs> and then I wasn't patient anymore. And the value of that was, first of all, I communicated this to my kids, how important it was to be patient for them and what gave me patience. And one of my favorite memories is my son, who's probably seven. And so his little sister would have been two and the baby sister wouldn't have been born yet um, or even I would have been pregnant with her. And I heard him saying outside my bedroom door, if we wait till it's a seven, she'll be patient. (laughs) And it was just like, I, I gave them the keys to the queendom. I gave them, and I kept doing that. I kept teaching my children how to cause me to be the mom they needed. And they, they, they learned if I, they asked me, could they do something? My, I'd say, okay, I have to think about that. And if they pressed me, I'd say, you can have a no immediately. Yeses take time. And one time we were in the car and the kids asked if they could go to the movies. And I looked in the rearview mirror and my son was sitting in between his two sisters and he was going like this. Because <laughs> they learned I needed silence to think. I needed to be alone, to really think about it. And that if they let me, 
I would be thinking, how can I do that? Mm -hmm. I want, they, they start to figure out, I want to give them everything. And this is how men are, by the way. Men want to give us what we need. They want to give us what puts a smile on our face, what makes us happy, but they need time to wrap their heads around it. And we usually don't give it to them. And so I would say values for like, as a mom, what you want for all your kids. And then I, I figured out early on that each of my kids needed a different mom. Hmm. They didn't need me to be exactly the same with them and provide the same thing for them, which is normal to decide what people need and provide it without checking with them. So I started paying attention to them individually mm-hmm. and okay. So my son, he didn't need me to teach him the right thing. He always knew the right thing, but he needed me to teach him why it mattered to do it. <laughs> he needed support in doing it instead of what would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and my my older daughter, we were so much alike, and I was just watching her. And I it was like, the only way I could get to it was like, what do I wish my mom had given me? Hmm. And and the answer was it just it was right there, a safe harbor mm-hmm. that I caused so much of a storm in life and such a rabble rouser, so much mischief all the time. But I wish there was a safe place to go when I was disconnected from myself, when I was frazzled, when I, you know, I just wanted a safe harbor. And so I decided to be that for my daughter, a safe harbor. And it didn't matter how, after that, how much she tried to wind me up. No, I was going to be safe for her. And then my youngest, (laughs) it was like, it was odd. My, My job was to help her have fun. She was so serious in this intense student and wanted to learn everything. And my job was to help her have fun. And so Friday afternoon, I would play hooky from work and she and I would go to the movies and she get to pick the movies. And we, I mean, she still does it. We'd snuggle in the movies. We would hold hands. We'd put the armrest up. We'd hug. She'd lean up against me and we'd snuggle and and crack up watching this movie together. And, oh. oh, so what I'm hearing from you is that it's really important to identify what the other person in the relationship needs and to respond accordingly. So now when we look at our relationship with our husbands, what do you find is a common mistake that we as women make in dealing with conflict as it pertains to our husbands? Oh, golly. Okay, so the most common (laughs) at the root of so many troubles Mm -hmm. is assuming that he's like us. (laughs) Assuming that a man is a kind of woman Mm -hmm. and just needs to be trained to be more in touch with his feelings, trained to talk about his emotions or demanded to talk about his emotions, um, needs to be, you know, interrupted from that focus to get involved with other people. And that when he's upset, we, we need to soothe him. We need to say everything's going to be okay and we should pet him, do you know, on the arm or maybe on the head. It's going to be all right, honey. And so he goes, ah, 
were really upset. <laughs> Not knowing that when men are upset, the epinephrine in their body makes their skin so sensitive that our touch feels like fire. And, and so the biggest thing we need to do is not project our needs onto them and not assume we know what they need and instead to ask. And it's best to ask when it's not happening. So mm -hmm. honey, when you're frustrated, you're trying to fix something and you're frustrated, what's the best thing I can do? He'll probably say, go away. <laughs> when you're upset when you're upset with me and something we're talking about what's the best thing I can do leave me alone <laughs> and is there anything you need from me that you've given up on getting mm, letting me finish a sentence without being interrupted <laughs> yeah yeah you can actually change the dynamic of your whole relationship just by doing the opposite of what you're compelled to do and which includes interrupting they'll say the same thing but what about or will you interrupt to say oh i absolutely agree and they they're literally like a train that's been thrown off the track and we think they're superficial because they won't say anything else after that mm -hmm. but it's because they they we, we call it waiting for the well um, you ask a man a question, start counting to 30. First, he's got to commit to the question. He's got to think about the answer. And then he's got to start telling you that takes time. It may take 30 seconds for him just to say, I got to think about that. <laughs> but if you wait, right. And then he says like the first sentence, instead of interrupting, if he pauses, count to 30 again and keep counting to 30 every time he pauses until he says, that's all I have to say about that. Well, Most women have never heard a man say that because we've never waited long enough. And if you want to hear what a man feels, if you want him to tell you about his emotions, that's all the way at the bottom of the well. And that's why we never hear about them because we want them to be at the top of the well like they are with us. Mm. How I feel about something, now, what I think about it's just right there, immediate. Not them. They're, they're, we're, opposite sexes we have a and we have opposing instincts mm. and and then anything he tells you you got to not tell anybody else you got to not reveal him to someone else he told you not her, your best friend and you got to not ever use it against him especially if he tells you how he feels like i love you well if you loved me you'd do this that's called using it against them can you see how it goes back to expectations? If you really loved me, you would. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me of um, Gary Chapman's five, five love languages, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of us expecting them to communicate with us and to show us their love the way we would do that, you know, so, ah. Uh, I'm telling yeah. you, I, I, I'm it, guilty of all the things you have done here. Well, and what makes it worth, worse, Michelle, and, and this is really worth noting, is that amongst women, one of the ways that we show and experience appreciation is reciprocity. And we have a precision to our reciprocity. So 
if you fix me dinner, I could reciprocate by taking you out to a, to a nice dinner. But if you fix me dinner and then I fix you lunch, eh, it's going to miss, right? <laughs> so we have this precision in our reciprocity and we, and women are very sensitive to it. So we think by giving a man what we want, he'll give it back. Like if, if you start waiting for the well, a man could talk to you for an hour or more. And, and even say, I can't believe I'm telling you all this. And, but we'll think that, you know, after an hour, now it's my turn. Now you're going to listen to me for an hour. No, he's going to be pumped by being listened to by you. And he's going to take that energy and use it, which is how men show appreciation. They take it and use it. So, you know, they appreciate the sandwich because they ate it. They didn't throw it away and buy something else. They ate it. They didn't make you a sandwich back, right? And it the same thing happens with compliments. When a man pays us a compliment, he wants us to take it and use it. He wants us to let it in and be like, hmm, empowered. Wow, thank you. That That's all he wants out of it. He doesn't want us to say, oh, and you look beautiful too. <laughs> it's like, ew. So we both, can you see, we expected the opposite sex to do what we do. And so we think we're modeling for the other person when it's, it's not happening, it's disconnecting. Hmm. And so we actually can't just model our love language. I love Gary Chapman's work. It, it, it's one of the best things to ask your kids. Hmm. I only regret I didn't ask them sooner. Um, Ay, ay, ay. I would have had a different life with my son if I'd asked him sooner. And <laughs> so, yeah, can you tell? This is why I said we could do this for four days. I tell mm -hmm. you, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for you being able to share all of those key insights that we keep tripping on as women that create so much angst in our relationships and subsequently it creates that angst within us. You know, we start to personalize it and internalize it and it affects our health and our well-being. And then that in turn just loops around and affects our children and affects our husband and just, it's a vicious cycle. So I thank you for so much of what you've said. And ladies, I'm going to be putting into the show notes, the link to Allison's website, because on her website is a plethora of wonderful, <laughs> valuable free resources. I mean, usually I ask, hey, can you give us one free resource? But her entire website is full of, of resources, including her mm -hmm. podcast. And I encourage you to go there and delve deep into the different areas that will help you on your journey as you continue to heal yourself. Any last words, Allison? Anything that I have missed that you feel is really key to helping our women to live that life filled with passion and purpose mm -hmm. and power and protection and peace? <laughs> well, first I would say, I don't have a podcast. Um, I I show well, up- It's all the I show up on other people's podcasts. Yes. Yeah, I always do. I, I've seen you I don't, so many other ones, yeah. I know. I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to be in charge of something else. I would say, um, just as a recommendation, besides what we talked about with connecting through conflict, 
would be the the Queen's Code and especially the audiobook of the Queen's Code. Okay. And you can listen to it on our mobile app and it will it sa- it saves marriages and it's incredible for single women with or without children and it even is amazing for men to find out how they're motivated and the goodness of their motivations, even if when they miss the mark and, and what causes women to, to diminish them, what causes them to women to emasculate them. And yeah, so men can start becoming, having a better reaction to being emasculated that's empowering for them and for us. So that's a good place to start. So I'm, I'm going to include also a link directly to the Queen's Code, to information about the Queen's Code so that you ladies can access that. And once again, thank you so very much, Allison, for joining us today. And ladies, I will see you in our next episode of Mommy Heal Thyself. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Mommy Heal Thyself. If you like what we're doing here, please share, subscribe, like us, and leave a comment. Your feedback is very much appreciated.